guys, welcome to another episode of Live with the Cork in the Road. I'm Kelly. I'm your wine explorer here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am chatting with people who are shaping the Southeast wine industry. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in, pushing play today. I am starting to really feel like it's the holidays. I went to a couple holiday parties in one weekend and that'll do it for me. I am now like, it's time, it's happening. I'm starting to already be planning what wines, what champagnes are appropriate for this season. So hopefully you're starting to look at your collection as well, what's around the house, what you wanna go buy or gift to people. This is the time where I feel like wines are a piece of my heart when I give them to people and share them. So, Happy holidays. Let's be opening some good stuff this year. I have a really fun episode for you. I'm going to preface this with the fact that it is completely unedited. Now for the podcast, if you've been listening for a while, I actually don't do much editing at all, but I do kind of clean things up or if the cat walks on my lap or the dog barks or that kind of thing. I usually cut that out. But today, in honor of my esteemed guest, who is also a podcaster, I went in the style that they have for their podcast, which is minimal intervention. So we are actually not editing today's podcast. Let me know what you think about this. I'll be curious. Find me at A Cork in the Road. And once you listen to today's episode, let me know if you could tell. I got to chat with Sam Katuri. He is the man behind the incredible wines of Winery 16600 out in Sonoma County. But I first discovered him on the Winemakers podcast. I started listening and their style of behind the scenes, on the ground information in Sonoma County, and really this community of people was fascinating to me. And I learned a lot about winemaking, wine production, farming. We'll talk about that with Sam on the podcast today, that that's really central to what this group of professionals out in Sonoma really educate and chat about. And I loved it. So when I think about podcasts that I like to listen to, I look up to the winemakers. And then when I was out in Sonoma last March of 2021, I got to go visit the tasting room and it's right off the square in Sonoma. So if you know where Sonoma Square is, it's a short walk away in this cool old house. And we sat on the porch and we talked about wine and Rhone Valley because they make wine using Rhone varieties. And I just really fell in love with everything that the winery is about. So Sam is the heart and soul behind those wines, and he also has a lot of history of his family being in Sonoma as grape growers, as farmers, so really well connected, a really great way to feel like Atlanta is a little bit closer to Sonoma County today by tuning in. We talk about what it's like to be a podcaster in wine and what value it brings to the wine industry as a whole, so I really hope you enjoy If you would like to try these wines, I highly suggest looking them up, Winery 16600. The podcast that they host also has great winemakers that are kind of smaller production. I end up ordering a lot of those as well because they're cool people and the wines are spectacular when they arrive at my door here in Atlanta. So cheers to the winemakers, cheers to Sam, cheers to Sonoma, and let's all travel to California today through today's episode. Talk to you soon. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so good to see you for the first time in a very long time, even 
over video, I'll take it. Thank you for being here today, Sam. Nice to see you too, Kelly. I last saw you, I think we may have thrown out scheming, possibly having you on the podcast and here you are in your tie-dye shirt, which is like the last time I saw you. So nothing's changed. I did laundry yesterday and I realized like, I kind of knew anyway, but uh, they're all (laughs) tie-dyes. It's all (laughs) tie-dyes. Well, now my husband has one too. So he rocks it here in Atlanta. So you've got all of the representation, even on the East coast today. So spreading the love, love it. Bread and all the love, wine and shirt. I actually just got a notification that my 16600 shipment is on the way. So I should be getting that soon. Do you send a lot of wine to Atlanta? Uh, We have have a pretty strong club member representation in the, you know, sort of greater Atlanta area. Um, You know, our, my colleague, Paul in the tasting room, Paul White, I'm sure you met him. He's, he spent a lot. He lived in maybe Dahlonega started a winery down there, you know, 20 years ago and his, and his wife is from, from Georgia. So anytime we have uh, Georgians in the tasting room, we send Paul in and he tells a couple of stories and, you know, it, uh, you know, there's, there's a, uh, there's flow for sure. We did talk about that. He did for come sure. and talk to us about Georgia, which is wonderful. That's right. I like to pretend like I'm the only one that gets 16,600 here. I know that's not true, but in my world, I'm the one that enjoys it the most. A hundred percent. I won't, <laughs> I won't argue. <laughs> Thanks for sending it my way. Well, I also need to say congrats on not only the podcast and how many people are listening these days and all that, but you're now an award-winning podcast. I mean, wine industry leaders list. What is Sam? What is this? How does it feel? I, I, um, hopefully the ring light isn't betraying the fact that I'm blushing right now. Uh, it, um, it's honestly, it is, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, to be on that list with the other people that are on that list. And, you know, our, our winemakers podcast is um, we do it because we have fun and it's, and it's, you know, a, a passion and a hobby. And, you know, I, I don't, maybe I don't take anything that seriously in life, but to something that was just like, Hey, yeah, we'll talk into microphones and see what happens to, for that to go to, you know, my little face showing up on a magazine cover with, just like legends of the wine business, Randall Graham and all these people. It's just like, it, it, it's still pretty mind blowing for sure. So thank you. Thank you for the, uh, the, the acknowledgement there. Appreciate it. Well, people are listening. I mean, I listen, but a bunch of other people are listening too, obviously. So yeah. that's got to feel really, really good. And to me, your podcast is one that I listen to and say, you know, that's something I like listening to as someone who's kind of working on my podcast. Like I listen to your show and I'm like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of style that I would want someone to, you know, put me in that same category. Like I like the way that you guys talk about wine. I always have. Plus you make Atlanta feel not so far away from Sonoma County when I needed it most, especially in the darkest days of 2020, you guys were still doing your show. So thank you for that. You're, you're welcome. I, um, you know, I, I definitely appreciate, I, I like our style of just, you know, this is how we sit down and talk about wine and drink wine on a pretty regular basis, how you do it at home, you know, with your wine loving friends. So I, I think that if you've been to our tasting room, that's kind of the, the atmosphere and, and experience that we try and cultivate here. Cause you know, we can 
put wine on all these pedestals and build these, you know, marble lined gilded halls of, of the wine world. Um, but at the end of the day, the people that matter, the people who drink the wine on a daily basis are sitting at home. They're in their couch, they're in their living room, their front porch. Um, and if you, you can't bring it there, then I don't know, you figure something else out. <laughs> That's exactly how I enjoyed your wine at the tasting room was on the front porch. Right. We were on the French porch. We didn't have, you know, at home, I don't have the beautiful cheese and like meat box that I had there. So that, right. that is a difference, but yes, the vibe was the same in terms of like, I felt so welcome and just chatting with you guys. And I know that that's the atmosphere of wine that you want to live in. And that's the type of wine that I like to drink. So it all works out. But you're done with harvest now, I'm guessing. Are you feeling the overall relief of that? Or how is this period of time feeling for you? Well, we have um, have one more tank uh, that is on skins. That will press out on this is you know we're, we're talking on a monday it'll press out on wednesday um and that those grapes were harvested on uh, october 13th um so this is the adutet grenache from the rossi ranch uh, which spends a long time you know two you know ten uh, seven day cold soak um the fermentation with the with the delastage and then you know it's been it's been dry or essentially dry for Oh, two weeks now. Um, so two weeks on skins, just kind of keeping the skins wet um, and just following Isabel Gassier's lead. She, she showed up at the right time and uh, and sort of taught us about the peaks and valleys of Grenache fermentation and the tannins. And uh, she showed up as these wines were like peaking in their tannic expression and probably all would have freaked out, you know, Cabernet makers going, what the hell are we going to do with these? And and then, you know, over the last week, the tannins have all sort of settled out in both the wines and um, they're just, they're just beautiful. So that's the, the last wine left to quote unquote make. Um, and now, uh, you know, we're, we're shipping wine club uh, shipments maybe a little later, thanks to some supply chain issues and and freaking out about um, glass for next year bottling starting in January. So um, you know, <laughs> yes, the 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 crazy of harvest is over. Although to be honest, the craziest week of harvest was when it ended and we had to prepare for 14 inches of atmospheric river. Um, a monsoon, basically. I mean, just like yeah. what? Like this is so crazy for you. I can't imagine. Oh, so so that was that was a wild week. But um, no, harvest is over. It was it was a good one, better than last year. That's for sure. Oh, that's got to feel really good, especially when now you're talking, you're waxing poetic, see, about your wines. That's what you do best. You're waxing poetic about the Grenache because that, to me, when people ask, like, hey, you know, what is what is going on, new, fun, cool, exciting about California, I think of what you have been able to do with Grenache. So I'm very, very happy to hear that you're feeling good about this vintage and that just keeps shining. It's amazing. Are people coming to the tasting room? Like, is it a crowded, busy time right now? It, yeah, the last um, two months, September and October are our busiest times of the year. You know, let alone summer is like, summer is great, but it hits September and people know that grapes are being harvested and it's, you know, the weather is great, you know, um, People, people, wine drinking, wine buying 
tourists show up in a way that they're not really here in the summer. In the summer, it's people who are traveling California. They want to see vineyards and redwoods, and that's great. We love them. But the people who are really like fill up our tasting room which is you know maybe got a little side of nerdy um that they're they're definitely here in september and october so that's the other thing you know it's harvest it's wine clubs and it's also you know all of your friends from all over the country are showing up for the first time in two years right so didn't you have a guest too on the podcast like a a, a consumer like a, a person who buys your wine was just like chilling during a recording i think that that just happened <laughs> that uh, that you know that uh, sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing I'm like I think that you are welcoming people to the tasting room but then it's like you kind of build this extended family of people that also listen to the podcast that buy whoever's wine is on your podcast it's all these people drinking the same stuff and enjoying it I just loved it I was like I think that there's a listener just like hanging out for the episode I loved it I loved it how do people find you do you hear it's mainly the podcast or like what's your marketing reach um, the podcast is, is definitely a huge driver to people from the taste to the tasting room. You know, the, um, the number one is, and always will be sort of the extended network of places that we farm for, you know, enterprise vineyards, my, my family's vineyard management company that has this, this insane roster of, of wineries that we work with. Um, you know, people in those tasting rooms or in those wine clubs, kind of lean towards the farming conversation that very naturally goes, Hey, you know, go, go check out 16600. So, um, you know, and I think the, the wine industry magazine sort of accolades sort of show that too, you know, we're, we're people find us because other people in the industry tell them about us. And as far as like, as far as that goes, um, you know, it kind of goes to what you're saying. It's not just, we're not just trying to, build a customer base we're building a community um and that's that's you know the folks that live here and work here um if they like us and are sending people our way then i think we're on the right track a community plus that family atmosphere i mean not only the people that become so close they feel like family but you have like fourth generation you talk about the company of the wine growing side and like yeah that's pretty legendary in terms of that many people and who you have worked with as like a family, but yeah, this is quite literally like in your blood from the beginning. I, I remember you saying this story of how you were serving wine, your family's wine at parties and like at three years old. I mean, that's pretty unique. <laughs> would that be something that would have scared you away from wine or is it something from, you know, from a young age that we're like, I'm really interested in this. Did you have a period where you ran away from this completely? I um, rebelled as, as hard as you can when your parents are, you know, legendary organic farmers. And I, um, you know, used to wear a suit and tie and worked for a lobbying firm and in political campaigns and stuff like that in, uh, in Nevada. <laughs> and, you know, I, I actually think it was really important to get out of here and to get away and to learn some other skills and build some other, you know, networks and communities. Um, I, I, you know, came back and sort of appreciated what, what it is that we do here, not just, just my family, but, you know, my community, the people that, you know, 
these kids that I went to high school with and grew up with that are now like, you know, have names like Morgan Twain Peterson, who is just like, you know, who, who's he? Punk, <laughs> punk redheaded kid who's a couple years older than me in grammar school, you know, he was always smarter and taller. He's still smarter and taller than me, but, um, you know, just like, I, I don't think growing up here, maybe I was just naive. I, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the thing that it is now and and you know so i, I wasn't um, you know i wanted to go do something else i was gonna you know be a politician for the rest of my life i guess i don't know i'm glad i didn't my soul isn't my soul is intact so i'm really glad that you came back to wine although hey i mean i think that you would have been a great politician we'll just say that but i'm so you know do do what your heart desires sam but i'm glad you're back in wine and especially because it is that type of community now where like you're seeing second, third generation people that are now taking on those wines and taking on those family farms. So is it a everyone knows everyone type of town? I mean, it seems that way to me when I go, but then I'm like, is it really? Like, how would you describe that? I mean, it's um, one of the reasons that you want to leave when you're a kid here. <laughs> I mean, there is no, you know... Uh, very little anonymity um and it's a small town you know sonoma especially sonoma valley but the the industry in general from you know from the whole like northern california north coast sonoma county mendocino county napa county um it's it is a it's a very small world for better and for worse but um you know you definitely know everybody uh you you know you go to sonoma market or whole foods or you know napa fermentation supplies or scott labs whatever you're you're gonna run into somebody that you know there's just you know i think there's just not that many of us i love that whole foods was on that list oh just you know these these farmer places oh and and whole foods uh <laughs> you gotta eat there. lunch, you know. <laughs> gotta eat lunch. I love it. Well, and then you you are friends with a lot of them, and obviously it's a network of sharing supplies, knowledge, insights, wine together. You're drinking your neighbor's wine. Yeah. But that makes me even more curious. So when you when you start to think about creating your own label, and you did that, was it like 10, 10 years now? So you're starting uh, to come yeah, up. Yeah, a little longer. A little 2007 longer. was the first legal vintage of 16600. Legal vintage. Um, ah. 2000, I guess 2008 was the first time was the first vintage we put the current label on, uh, which would have been like 2000. Yeah, so 10 years ago. So yeah. 10 years. So thinking about that and knowing that the community is working with a lot of the same, you know, types of grapes and people are knowing Sonoma County for whatever it is from the outside world. What are some of the things that you consider then when you're starting your own label? Like what was important to you and how did you kind of find your own little space in that world? Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is um, one of the things that I'm grateful for, for the background that I had before I came back to the business and, and building campaigns and, and branding and, and things like that. Um, I knew that my family and particularly my dad and what he's done in the, you know, 45 years in this business um, was an interesting angle and story to tell through the wine in a way that, um, you know, you look around and I, you know, not to disparage any of our wonderful friends and clients, but the conversation is often about the winemaker and the winemaking and the barrels and the cellar. And, and that's, that's awesome. Um, but, I, you know, talk about what we know, which is 
the vineyards and the farming. Um, and, you know, this opportunity to present 16600 as, you know, uh, it's sort of a, a reverse engineered estate winery. It's, it's one grower, but it's multiple sites. And in some cases, you know, most vintages, multiple winemakers. Um, and, and to put that out there and be like, all right, what's the through line? Why are these wines the same? Why do they all taste good? Uh, and what are the connections? And the connection is the farming. Um, so to, to be able to have that conversation um, with people, you know, who walked into the tasting room was always uh, the motivation. That's also a really interesting insight there for the podcast as a whole, because mm -hmm. you say the conversation is usually, it's it's funny, it's it's called The Winemakers, right. but you talk about production <laughs> and farming. Maybe that's part of your like little behind the scenes joke, I don't know, but I'm just seeing this now. So call The Winemakers, but rarely the conversation centers on the winemaking, you are talking about the fruit, you're talking about the vineyards, you're talking about production practices, like you're talking about farming techniques. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting to hear kind of that as a main goal. But do you listen to other wine podcasts? Like, was that kind of the goal of like, <laughs> we need a wine podcast that's not about winemakers? Or where did this come from? I mean, you know, with the winemakers podcast, the idea was always... I sort of represented the growers side of it. You had Bart Hansen, Dane Sellers, who was the winemaker has been, you know, working in Sonoma wineries since, uh, you know, I was in diapers. Uh, sorry, Bart. Um, and then you have Brian Casey, who's the, you know, legendary Psalm wine buyer at these great restaurants in Sonoma forever and ever. And then John Myers, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, other than being a, 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 experienced radio guy from Chicago back in the day is a, your average wine drinker. And, and I joke often, especially when I'm trying to piss off my winemaker friends, that wine really isn't made until it's sold. And really, it's not really made until somebody drinks it. Otherwise, it's just something in a bottle that you look at. Um, but that is, that is the, the play with winemakers and the reason that we actually, you know, you know, if you see it in social media, it's all one word, but, you know, the logo is wine and makers are, are, are two words. And like, so it is about, you know, the wine and the wine being made, but um, who actually, who makes the wine for the consumer, the consumer makes the wine for themselves. They, they make their choices, the flavors that they like, you know, the varieties they pick out, the, the psalm will make a wine by, you know, bringing it to a, a, a public, bringing it to the consumer, the grower, if you don't have the grower, you know, you don't have anything to make anyway. So um, there's definitely, you know, the production side of it, but wine is, the, the making of wine is, has a lot of sides to it. So. Wow, like wine not being made until it's sold or consumed. Like you're just flipping the whole world upside down right now. I'm just, okay, just that's fine. pissing off all the winemakers <laughs> who are going to listen to your show, but whatever. Whatever. It's not, I mean, you've actually given power back to the people. So thank you so much. We create the wine when it, we open it at home. Thank you for giving us a role in that. But that the the episodes have been really fun. How do you find guests? Do, do guests come to you now? Because I think that the winemakers bump, I know you mentioned that a lot. It is a real thing. Personally, I buy the wine that I hear on the on the show and I can't be the only one. So are people coming to you now or how do you find people for the show? You know, the we have um, more and more, especially 
in the last couple of weeks with the, the magazine cover, um, we get inquiries from like PR people and agencies trying to, you know, what? pitch their product or their winemaker or their winery. And I feel terrible as somebody who used to work in that industry. We've, we've never once, we don't even like, we've not interviewed those people. I don't think we ever even respond to those emails. Um, we're, we're fortunate enough um, to be in this community where when there's somebody that we want to talk to or somebody that, you know, somebody thinks in our world would make a good conversation. We reach out to them. Uh, you know, it's, it's DMing on, on Twitter, Instagram, it's emails, it's text messages, it's phone calls. Uh, you know, we're in the we're in the epicenter of it. So there's people around. Um, you know, sometimes you get into harvest and it's hard to find a, a winemaker guest. But um, you know, we we very organically, uh, all pun intended, I guess, uh, <laughs> find the guests for our show just in our in our little sphere of uh, the world here. So I like that because then I listen to it and I know that you maybe initiated that invite or it's people that you were like excited to have on. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, they want to be on the show because they like you as well. So it's kind of like a mutual thing, but I have enjoyed a few episodes that stick out to me and it makes me wonder what have been some of your favorite topics to cover? Because I know what I enjoy listening to. I personally, that weed slayer episode, honestly, <laughs> Sam, I learned so much about Roundup and chemicals and how to look past the smoke and mirrors of a well-groomed like lane between vines. Like you taught me like, mm, that's not going to normally happen. You know, like right. it's stuff like that. So one of my favorite episodes, Weed Slayer. Weed Everyone Slayer. should look that one up. What about you? What are some of the topics that you enjoy discussing? Um, I mean, you know, I, I like the ones kind of like you. I like the ones where where I learn things. Um, and not that I'm not always learning stuff from from all these guests, but um, you know, some of the ones that stick out in my mind just recently uh, were, were Reed Griggs and Cody Rasmussen. Um, and Reed was... You know, Cody's been on a few times. He's Desire Lines wines. You know, I see Cody all the time. He's if our kids are literally like a day apart. Um, but Reed is somebody I've known for a long time. But to talk about you know his conversation, his his research in like the microbiome of the vineyard and the and the grapes, and you know how that is really like the the conduit to what we all call terroir, and and that you know if you want your wine to be a unique signature of the place that it comes from you know the things that you do in the cellar are really important but the health of that you know that microbiome bacteria fungus all the things that are in in the soil and in the vines is is paramount um so that was that was a great one um you know i i, I actually i don't listen to the show <laughs> mostly don't. because I, I i have and then my wife catches me and just thinks that i'm totally like some sort of narcissistic who likes to listen to the sound of my own voice which is n not entirely untrue um <laughs> but uh, so you know i don't um remember all of the episodes in that way, uh, you know, Weed Slayer was a fun one. I, you know, we have so much fun with the show 
um, that I there as soon as we record, it's my favorite episode, and then we do the next one. Um, and then it's your favorite, the, and then yeah, you the, have the new guest, and you're like, Yeah, just yeah, that's, that's the best one. Bird Horse, Bird Horse was a great one, though. If there was one to like in the recent go back, and definitely some folks to give the, the podcast bump to. Um, you know, the stuff that they're doing, having a ton of fun, natural wine, um, you know, whimsical, the whole deal, but the wines themselves are like are, are serious, real wine. Um, so that was that was definitely one to go back and listen to. I don't know. They're I was cracking fun. up about that because wasn't that the one where you guys like couldn't even get the name right? Like you went back <laughs> yeah. and forth, you're like, well, wait, is be, it bird? Me, yes. Song, bird, song, horse, song. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I loved it so much. Has anything gone? terribly wrong where you just had to be like this podcast is going off the rails i'm sure that we would just put it out every like a normal week um i mean the the only stuff that you know it's um we record pretty bare bones um and so the the biggest things that have ever gone wrong have all been on the technical side you know we're we're um you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, there's no, there's, it's not like it's even a shoestring budget, budget. It's a zero budget. Um, so that's, you know, we've had some really, really great conversations that didn't get recorded at all. <laughs> you know, the, the lost episodes that will never be found. Um, so those are, you know, those are the, the biggest, uh, the worst thing flubs. that happens yeah. is that yeah. there was a lack of recording. Oh yeah, exactly. no, that's like, that's pretty bad for podcasts. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I just checked to make sure we're recording. We are <laughs> recording, Sam. That's the great. red light is oh. on. The red light is flashing. <laughs> red light is on. But speaking of the podcast thing, it's like I listen to podcasts, mainly wine in, in my sphere of my interests. But do you think that podcasts play a role in the wine industry? Like, how can we continue to add value through these conversations? I think the the value of podcasts in general is to be able is not only um to have these conversations sort of frozen in time so that you can come back to them anytime you want and be able to find them and they're searchable but um you can talk to people in a much more direct way than any kind of other you know marketing press pr that really exists um and this kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier but um, you know, creating a community, creating an environment where people feel at home, they feel comfortable, you know, they kind of know what they're getting. Um, podcast is is a great venue uh, and medium for that kind of that kind of conversation where, you know, here we are, we're, we're zoom screening 3000 miles away, but um, you know, the, the conversation is real and um, you know, you can, you can have that feeling and the people who listen to this, you know, feel like they're sitting at a dinner, you know, dining room table next to us and having that kind of conversation. So I think that in, in wine is, is totally invaluable. Um, you know, the, the, and, you know, we're partially, I'm of course, responsible for it in, in our own ways, but um, the the mystification of wine and this feeling of like sort of making it inaccessible and making it um, so sort of just revered um, is counterintuitive, especially with, you know, modern consumers. Um, there's so many other alternatives out there to sort of make something harder to get to and harder to feel connected to is, is the opposite of what we should be doing. So podcasts definitely, um, you know, are critical, critical in that sort of, in that, in that effort. 
bringing people in yeah. no matter where they are, if they're in their car. I know a lot of people have told me here in Atlanta that they listen to this show if they're in the industry because they're on the road all the time going to right. clients, they're distributors, they're importers. So thank you to everyone listening in your car right now. But how awesome that you can still continue a wine conversation while you're on the go and part of your job, you know, thinking about new things and sparking conversation. You guys do that very well. You bring up topics that maybe I haven't really even considered or didn't even know were a topic that people talk about in wine. Right. So I do appreciate how that does kind of pull the curtain away, that kind of thing. Yeah. But you also use some other great platforms for conversation, Sam. You on Twitter um, is one of my favorite things. Uh, it is one of my favorite things. So how do you think about these different things like Twitter, versus Instagram. Your visuals of Instagram are really fun because you bring people into the vineyard and kind of, again, connecting to the farming, which now I hear is really centered at what yeah. you do. So Twitter versus Instagram, what's the utility? Do you even think about it? Um, Instagram is 100% about um, bringing people into the vineyards in a way that you don't get to if you're not here every day. Um, and, and, you know, I... I I love to write, and so you know, I'll, I'll spend time thinking about the the captions. You know, I, I think I don't know if it still is my bio, my my Instagram bios. I I Instagram for the captions, um, but you know, it's it really there. is. About, I just looked; it's there. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> um, it, it is. Uh, it, it's really about bringing people here, letting them see what we see, and and kind of experience it in real time. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> I, I um, one of my lifetimes ago was a. Amateur stand-up comedian, um, so I <laughs> Twitter is a lot about just trying to crack jokes, um, and and you know I'm fairly unrestrained on Twitter in a way that maybe I shouldn't be as somebody who you know is the owner of a business, but um, I just kind of let it fly. Uh, you know I, I have fun there. Um, you know talk about wine a little bit, sports, politics. Um, you know mostly just making fun of everybody. Um, so, you know, and I have. We need I have, that, though. We need that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, have, I think I it's have, great. I have customers who follow me on Twitter, and I I assume to be fairly conservative people, uh, and they still buy wine from me. So I guess I'm not like <laughs> offending anybody too bad. But uh, yeah, I, I let it fly. Keep cracking jokes. It's doing <laughs> something. Uh, it's making people smile, if anything. So that's fantastic. So full of jokes, but also full of great advice and full of experience. So I have to ask you, as someone who really knows a lot about Sonoma County, obviously, in your blood, like we talked about, any advice to people that want to learn more about Sonoma County? I mean, obviously, going there is 100%, but what do you wish people knew about Sonoma County before they come to visit, if anything? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing um, that often gets lost in the conversation about coming out here is, is how big Sonoma County is. Uh, and especially, you know, if, if in contrast to Napa, where so much of, of wine, quote unquote, wine country of Napa is, you know, centered around two long roads down the middle of the valley. And, and all the famous things that you want to find are on that road. There's really cool things off that road. But, you know, geographically, um, climate-wise, geologically, Napa is, is basically that valley. When you get to Sonoma County, um, it's it's larger than the state of Rhode Island. Um, it, it, you know, heals, you know, I'm in Sonoma 
downtown Sonoma right now. Healdsburg, which is also Sonoma, is is an hour and a half away. Um, you know, Russian River and you know Alexander Valley. These places, you know, Sonoma Coast, Petaluma Gap. There's a there's a lot. There's a lot of miles in between all these places, uh, and so for you know, that means a lot of really different wines and wine styles and varieties that that thrive and um, you know sort of climate weather, um, but it also means you know don't try and do all of Sonoma County in a day or two. Um, you know, <laughs> there's you could be in Sonoma Valley for for a week and not make it to all the places that I would send you to, um, you know, so let alone the whole county. So that's, that's the thing that um, I think gets in the way of a lot of people's enjoyment of, of what we're doing here is that you try and pack too much into a small period of time. There's just, there's just too much, too many miles to cover. And then they're late for their next appointment and then they're stressed right. while they're sitting at the first Well, that's Sonoma time. Everybody's late to their appointment. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, because I was actually leaving 16600. We were late, but that's because we started pulling out records and we were talking about your family's <laughs> past and looking at family photo albums. And that was an okay reason to be late to the next day. <laughs> so uh, I'll take it. The standard three hour 16600 experience. <laughs> I'll sounds, take it. Right. I will leave time in the itinerary for overdoing it in that way. That's totally fine. Great <laughs> advice though. I do think that people don't always understand coming to Sonoma how much variety there is um even in just wine styles yeah. and just different places within Sonoma County you're going to get a whole different tasting flight and vibe wherever you go so great advice there yeah. but how do you continue your own wine education are you like a deep blind taste Sam do you read wine books like how are you continuing to learn about wine um I I am fortunate enough to um, have access to some amazing sellers and both, I mean, other people's wine, but also people who sell me wine. Um, so, and I, you know, I love just buying random, you know, I have my favorites, but I'll just buy random shit from, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Yes. Um, minimal, minimal It's you. Like um, when I oh, say oh, no, no, I can't. That's great. I, I would, I would do it even if you said no. Um, <laughs> I, think I figured that too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, I, it's, um, that's my primary is just buying things and tasting them, opening them up. You know, I've done some, some tasting groups. I'm not actively doing any tasting groups right now, not just COVID, but also lifetime. Um, I, and I read a, a lot of stuff. I read, uh, you know, I read, um, the, you know, the wine writers, the critics, Jeb Dunnick, uh, Galoni, um, wine advocate. Wine spectator, um, and you know, I, I, a lot of my wine education honestly comes from podcast guests. You know, a lot of people have taught me a lot of stuff uh, about different varieties and growing styles and regions all over California. Um, so, you know, I just here I feel like wine education. You know, I think probably other places you might have to do it a little more actively. Here, it's it's pretty much just like you know uh, osmosis. You know, you just kind of absorb it wherever you go. Makes sense. I mean, everyone's probably kind of involved, or if they're not directly involved, they know someone who is. So right. you've got that connection right there out your back door, which is really fun. But also within your family, your whole family is kind of involved in this. And I know you have an adorable daughter who does come up on the podcast sometimes. <laughs> what do you think that she's learning kind of growing up now in Sonoma County, learning through your business? Have you ever stopped to think about this? You know, I, I mean, I hope 
that she's learning the things that I learned, um, which is just how great it is to be outside here in the places that we get to live and work and, and how important um, doing everything we can to keep those places great. Um, you know, if, if we can do that, then the wine will kind of take care of itself. Um, so, you know, to, to have a moment of, of being serious, I think that's, that's a moment to be serious, you know, just take her out. You know, she's two and a half. So, you know, she likes stress enough to pop much to my chagrin. She's going to be expensive, but, um, uh, just taking her out into these vineyards and, you know, these cool places on, on top of the mountain where we get to farm. Um, and also knowing that we don't do anything out there that I wouldn't mind, you know, my two and a half year old putting in her mouth uh, <laughs> because that's inevitable, right? Every rock is delicious. Um, so, you know, that um, if the, you know, teaching her that, that, you know, she gets to be in places where it's safe to just be a kid. Um, it's pretty valuable. That's a new level of farming certification in your future sense. <laughs> Would you let your daughter eat a rock <laughs> on their property? And if you can say no, then that's a different level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's big. Oh, I like that. But she's probably just learning so much just about being outdoors. And yeah, it's right. Again, it's part of your community. It's part of what you do every day. And she's going to be benefiting from that probably in ways you don't even know right now. So that's really, yeah. really exciting. Okay, so speaking of, you know, thinking ahead and growing up and experiences and all this, what is next for Winery 16600? I saw a return of Vinyl Sundays. Yes, we're talking about an in-person event, uh, maybe, you know, sometime kind of a winter theme kind of a deal. Um, you know, we're sort of easing back into that world of, of you know, that's the thing that I've missed the most uh in these these covid times is you know again it kind of comes back to that community idea but getting the community together and for a party and and you know seeing people who are have been club members for a long time but uh you know ones from they're from different parts of the country and they sit down at a table and and have something in common and become friends and just like watching that happen um you know watching people's kids grow up the whole the whole deal um I miss that a lot. So, you know, getting back into safely being able to do that is important. Um, you know, on a, from a 16600 product line kind of standpoint, uh, expanding on the cans a little bit. We did some Primitivo canned rosé. The rosé uh, cans. I saw year. those like all over social media, Sam. In my, <laughs> well, my, my social media is very wine centric. So in my wine centric <laughs> view of life, I saw those cans. They were, uh, you know, the, the cans have a, uh, an immediacy um, to them that, you know, fine wine doesn't necessarily have. So people would get it and drink it right away. I'm, I'm on a podcast, Dad. How's it going? My father's poking his head in his office. Phil office. is on the Cork in the Road uh, podcast right now. It's all next, it's all, <laughs> what is going on in life? Is, this is minimal intervention podcasting. This is what you wanted. Uh, yeah, this inter is it. <laughs> interruption, real, real time interruptions. Uh, it's next door. In, in the cellar, in the in the back of the cellar, in that back corner there, there's the rosé and behind, past the magnums. Okay. He's, uh, I'm, uh, uh, it's all good. I'll just, I'm going to put it on your bill. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, family business right yeah, here, family, right now. I business. love it. Real life, real time. When six strangers, wait, no, we're all not, none of us are strangers. Uh, it's the real world. Uh, <laughs> 
what were we what were we talking oh uh, the cans yeah the cans that was the funniest thing about the cans was you know people when they buy our wine maybe they're you know saving it for a special occasion they're putting in their cellars or their wine fridges or whatever with the cans you know the summer it was like you got the can you brought them to your friend's house you bring them to the party you were cracking them open you were posting them on instagram um so that was that was just a, a blast that i didn't quite expect uh, but so we're doing that again next year added a little uh white blend to the can line so we'll have a rosé and a and a white wine sort of roussan based um the audio tet that phil is pilfering a bottle from uh, home use i guess is what you tell the, the government about that um that's you know that's something that's that's really a, a focus um and that's you know taking you know kind of the opposite direction of the can wine in kansas is grenache uh, at its sort of pinnacle of of what Grenache can be from California, um, and and so that's that's always something that's um, you know a focus for us and continue to be kind of a, a, a big thing in our minds. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I uh, this year Isabel went back to France to work with her, you know, on her family's property, Isabel Gassier, and she's you know been a big part of our not only our farming but our winemaking. Um, so in her absence, I, you know, I have a C plus in high school chemistry, um, <laughs> sort of taken a larger role in our day, you know, day to day winemaking and trying to be there and tasting and seeing what's going on, keep my finger on that. Um, so that's, you know, personally, and sort of as this grows, probably a direction that this is going a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever call myself a winemaker, um, <laughs> but uh, definitely involved in the winemaking like like never before so that's you're fun. a wine involved person i'm a wine inv- i'm wine involved yes <laughs> put that on the resume i like it next to dad um dad. that's yeah. perfect i love it well i also heard about the is it the auspice de Rhone that's yes. happening in the spring you guys are really yeah. involved with that yeah that so that's um you know a, a sort of a play on hospice de bone right and the, the big burgundy uh, event but hospice to Rome, there's a actually i think there's one going on right now or soon at blackberry farm uh, and then um in paso robles in april and usually it's every two years and they split you know and they do some stuff in, in france and they do things here um we had a lots planned for uh april 2020 in paso robles and that that got canceled and pushed a few times so now uh we're going back in in 2022 um you know so there's there's it's just a three-day rhone fest uh lots of grenache there's there's great parties great tastings great seminars the rosé lunch the saxon party it's uh it's definitely the week to be uh if you're a rhone head uh, get to paso for april 20th or something like that uh it's just it's a it's a wild time um so yeah. And you guys love, I share that mutual love of Rhone Valley, and I'm really excited about the people that are working with those varieties the way that you guys are. So please keep building that up for California. I think it's super exciting. All right. Maybe I got to check my calendar for April. Uh, I got to see if I can move some things around and maybe be there. But thank you so much. I am really, really thrilled for people to keep discovering what you do and what Sonoma County is about. Like people can tune into the podcast and learn things about what you guys do, but also everyone in the area, maybe more than they would if they just came to visit. So I love the kind of behind the scenes look that you do. If people want to learn more about you, 
If they're not following you already, that's crazy. But where can they follow you to learn about more? Uh, you know, I have, I'm one of those people, you open up their Instagram and there's like five accounts. Um, my main one is just at grapes with a view. Uh, that's, that's my personal slash sort of everything is business. Um, and then there's 16600 is the winery. Winemakers pod is um, both on Twitter and Instagram is the, the winemaking, the, the podcast. Uh, you can follow my dog Curry at nothing but Curry on Instagram. I haven't followed that want. one. I got to find you gotta, that You got to follow Curry. Whoa, um, okay. But that yeah, so adding. Instagram and Twitter, Grapes of the View is probably a good place to start for everything though. And that makes you feel closer to Sonoma. So keep posting those sunset pictures, the farming pictures. I'm all about it. Sam, I love I love what you're doing. And I am just thrilled that you took the time today to come chat with us. And hopefully people in Atlanta can now join the club and buy, buy some more of your wine too. I, I, I appreciate that, Kelly. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to you know, spread the good word about what we're doing out here and spread our love of Grenache and, and good farming and, uh, you know, being being real about the wines that you know about the life that we live and the wine we make instead of uh you know being silly about it so uh thanks for the opportunity for sure absolutely next time i'm out there i'll sit on the porch again and i'm ordering that meat and cheese box okay it's and well, next time you're out here we'll stick you in front of a microphone and put you on our show oh my god <laughs> Okay, well, that might make me real nervous, uh, right. but I would, if there was some good wine, I'd be there, you know. Um, yes, thank you. We're uh, notorious for opening, you know, at least twice as many bottles as people we have around the table. So, <laughs> And you're getting really good at the pour sound at the beginning of the episode, so keep that up. <laughs> Cheers to you, Sam. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the A Cork in the Road podcast, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, and interviewing people who are changing the wine world in the Southeast and beyond. You can find more about A Cork in the Road at at A Cork in the Road on Instagram, and make sure to check us out on www.acorkintheroad.com. See you soon, guys. Cheers.